0: Hello and welcome to the Hole in My Heart podcast. This is episode 90, the gospel and food.
1: Yes. Hello. My name is Lori Krieg and I am the executive director of Hole in My Heart Ministries and we're coming at you from Grand Rapids, Michigan. And I am alongside licensed therapist, Argyle expert, and my husband, Matt Krieg. Hello. Hey, hey. And we also have our producer and of course the most professional radio voice among us, producer Steve.
0: Is it time for lunch yet? (laughs)
1: <laughs> getting hungry. I know we're recording bit. a little earlier in the day <laughs> and we're talking about food. So yeah. uh, we may hear some grumblings in our stomach. Uh, but we are so excited to explore the intersection between the gospel and food with our guest, Melissa D. Arabian. Welcome, Melissa.
2: Thank you so much for having me. I'm delighted.
1: For those of you who aren't familiar with our guest, Melissa is a celebrity chef, television host, best selling author, speaker, writer, wife to Philippe, and mom of four daughters. And you may know her best from winning season five of the next Food Network star or her succeeding cooking show, Ten Dollar Dinners. And we are big fans of Melissa around here, and we learned so much more both about her love for food and how Jesus intersects our needs to eat by diving into her latest book called Tasting Grace, discovering the power of food to connect us to God, one another, and ourselves, and we're so excited to dive more into that intersection of food and the gospel today. But before we do, I did not mean to pick this question of the week because it is quite perfect <laughs> for this conversation, and Melissa, you may answer it literally with yourself. If you, here's our question, had to be stuck inside of a TV show for the rest of your life, which show would it be and which character would you be?
2: Ooh, um, Okay, I'm going to go with Gilmore Girls. What up?
3: Mm. Um, yeah, I lo-
2: we love some Gilmore Girls around here. Um, and I mean, I'd have to be Lorelai because yeah. I'm the mom to yeah. four girls. But, but interestingly, I identify a little bit more with Rory mm. because I grew up with a single mom. So mm. when I watch the show with my girls, they're seeing me as the Lorelai role, but when I'm Thinking about the show and the dynamics I identify with Rory.
1: Oh, yeah, I feel you. We're going to have some similar answers. Matt, which listener stood out to you?
3: Yes, I I really enjoyed what Lisa had to say. So we'll give it a listen.
0: See, this is a hard question because every show I love is either ridiculously intense or life-threatening. Superpowers are, yes, someone constantly trying to kill me, a no, (laughs) or certain a time period that would not be great for me to live in, human rights-wise. So looking at you, Pride and Prejudice, or Downton Abbey. (laughs) So I think I'm going to go with a judge on Chopped. Or maybe like Guy Fieri on Diners, Drive-Ins, and Dives. All he does is eat good food.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I don't think she knew who we were interviewing, Melissa, right. but she may have That's wanted to basic. say your name. I know. This <laughs> is killing me. All right, yeah. Matt, completely why'd you like
3: appropriate. That? And I, I really liked what she had to say because my first reaction was, Oh, I want to be on like a Marvel TV show, superhero thing. But then I'm like, no, I don't really want to die <laughs> yeah. and have to face that every day. So I'm gonna go a little bit of a throwback and I'm gonna say the professor from Gilligan's Island because Whoa. he's super smart, living on an island, no real issues, and he's got all <laughs> of his books to read.
1: Nice. How about you, Steve?
3: He brought his books along with Absolutely. him? Absolutely. I didn't realize And that. apparently his radio fixing... Paraphernalia. Uh, I don't know.
0: Yeah, yeah. Okay, well, um, <laughs> I uh, wasn't even thinking along the lines of like reality-type shows, but I read what Nate shared.
3: If I could be any character from a TV show, I think I would be Paul Hollywood from The Great British Baking Show because he just gets to sit there and judge people and their sweets and then gets to eat them and try them all. And uh, I think if I could pick an ideal technical challenge that people would have to do, it would be to make some sort of custard filled donuts because those are my favorite
0: Nate oh yes good call (laughs) and yeah And, and then so since he took Paul Hollywood I went another route and thought oh I'm really looking forward to the next season of Survivor which starts later this month and I would totally be Jeff Probst the host of that show he's like a coach but yet he also gets to tell people you know the tribe has spoken. It's time for you to go. And he gets to be in these beautiful settings, but not have to starve himself oh, yeah. and do all these crazy challenges. So you just
1: laugh at him a little bit. <laughs> a
0: little bit. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. encourage too. Oh, sure. <laughs>
1: <laughs> all right. I appreciated this one. Lane
2: Kim from
1: Gilmore Girls. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> and that was from our listener named Emily so thank you Emily you and me and Melissa can hang out so <laughs> I really wrestled with which character in Gilmore Girls I would want to be but I think it'd be Suki so you and I Melissa we can be friends you can be Lorelei I'll be Suki even though I am not <laughs> the chef cook uh, but she's just so fun her personality is so bubbly she gets a little stressed out by her kids but so do I so there's that All right. Well, Melissa, we're excited to dive a little deeper into the gospel and food via your book and your story. Uh, But before we do that, we ask every guest this set of questions about the gospel. And so if the gospel is, I am more loved than I can imagine and more sinful than I believe, when was the gospel first good news for you and how is it still?
2: (sighs) I mean, the good news is That Yes, we are more sinful than we ever imagined, but God's grace is so much richer and bigger, right? So so what amazing news. And I think I first um, got in touch with the richness of the grace uh, when I was in um, seventh grade, when I went away to Christian camp. Hmm. Um and I, I, I really had a transformative experience there. Um and that was where I, I really realized um the depths mm-hmm. of God's grace and his generosity.
1: Hmm. How do you still need that same grace and generosity <laughs> of the father? Oh, I need it so every day. Yeah.
2: Uh, <laughs> uh you know, the reality is that for me it's not like money in a bank that I can just um, you know, sort of fill the bank up and then coast Uh, for me, I need to be in touch with God's grace every single day in order to get through the day. Um, so it's, it's literally a daily, a daily process for me. And so if I have a day where I don't wake up early and have my devotional time, and whatever, like that day already, I can feel the strain of me not, um, being, um, in touch with, God's grace and generosity and um and his good news. Mm. So for me it's every day.
1: It's so crazy how that happens too. You go to bed and you're like, actually I'm I'm okay. I'm tired, but I'm okay. And then you wake up and you're like, Nope empty, zero. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm yeah. not okay. It's every uh, For day. me, you know,
2: I, um, and, I, you know, listen, I'm maybe exaggerating a little bit that if I miss one day, maybe I don't feel completely off my game. But if I'm yep. running around and missing a few days, yep. I'm like a disaster. Totally.
1: Mm-hmm. Oh, preach girl. Okay. So you're talking about and alluding to this grace that we desperately need both when we you know, accept Jesus in that seventh grade camp time, but also desperately every day. So you wrote a book called Tasting Grace. Why did you choose to write this?
2: You know, as somebody who works in the food industry um, and works in food food culture and kind of foodie culture. Um, I'm surrounded by a lot of messages, Mm. um, about food. And as a woman, I'm surrounded by a lot of messages around food. And so I'm living in food all the time. And in fact, I'm part of the messages around food. And so I'm living in this food space, um, and then I also have this parallel world of my faith and being a woman of faith and 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 waking up every day and, and reading the Bible and and I just started having this sense that what what society was saying around food was missing the great news of what God is saying about food. Mm-hmm. So for my own sense, I had this sense of okay, well. Um, you know how do I feel about body image and food and how does that fit into it and 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 why am I not eating tomatoes because there's sugar in them but I'm okay to drink a diet Coke which um, has no calories but is man-made so mm-hmm. I, I couldn't reconcile these um these, these deltas, these disparities, this dissonance. Mm. And, um, so I, I needed to reconcile them for myself. So I, I thought, well, where can I go? Let's go see what God has to say about food. Mm. So I, I dove into the Bible for, a couple of years, every morning at five thirty, and um, turns out God has a lot to say about food, and and a lot of the stuff is is stories that I had read and that I knew, um, but when I really read them and prayed about them, I I saw new themes emerge, and it wasn't none of it was admonitions. I w- didn't feel like oh my gosh, I'm doing all this wrong, I'm mm. doing food wrong. It wasn't that. It was. You know, food is wonderful, but there's more to the story than what um, what I've been living. Mm -hmm. And so, this book, Tasting Grace, is the story or stories of that greater story that that I felt like I was missing.
3: Mm
1: -hmm. So, if we think about that greater gospel story that you're alluding to. So creation, fall, redemption, recreation. And so we talk on this podcast, the Hole in My Heart podcast, this God-shaped hole in our heart, and we did a series on what we call core needs. And so these are good needs God put into us, into that hole in our heart before the fall. And one of those needs that we explored, and I'd love to just talk about with you, is that need for nurture, or how God like wants to care practically for us through food. And if you think about, before the fall, like he created food, like he created us to eat and created us with this need to sleep Mm -hmm. from what we understand. Why why do you think God did that? What's it telling us about himself? Well, it it tells
2: us that if if we are created with this core need for nurture and for caring, um, it tells us that God is going to provide that Mm -hmm. and that we can lean into that and trust that. So if God um, created peaches, it's because he created also the taste buds that love peaches. Mm -hmm. So we can trust God's system of feeding us. One can imagine a world in which God, um, did not create delicious food mm-hmm. where he, um, where our bodies maybe didn't even need food at all, or just needed some sort of, uh, tasteless fuel. God certainly could have created a, a, a nutrition delivery system or an energy delivering system that was far less delicious and far more efficient. Um, that didn't require us to stop and sit and eat, um, and prepare and, and grow, um, uh, he he could have created a different system and he didn't and and the, the reason is, right, why would he do that? Why would God make the world more delicious than it need be? Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, it's because of this system of care and of delight and that we can lean into the nurturing, the delight and the joy. We can lean into that rather than um, push ourselves away from it, which is um, what we do a lot in, in, in our current uh, food culture.
1: So what I'm hearing you say, so I'm just picturing myself, which the last thing I ate was a cliff bar, which nothing against cliff bars, but that's kind of can be what I subsist on in a very busy three tiny kids in a job life. But what I'm hearing you say is when we do that consistently, kind of like, miss our sweet quiet time with the lord in 5:30. So when we do that consistent to shovel nutrients into our mouth, we're missing out on a deeper intimate relationship with god.
2: Well, Yes. Uh, yes. The good news is that um, that deeper relationship and that joy is being offered to us. God is inviting us into being closer to him through food and and, and also good news there is so much grace in um, in in how we accept that invitation mm-hmm. so I would argue that well yes you know what just like I don't want to miss my sweet um, morning Bible time every day um, we don't want to miss you know the gorgeous peaches and the mm-hmm. you know and the spinach and the mushrooms and the you know the, the whole foods that God creates for us but um, I think there's grace also in that cliff bar, you know, there's, there's grace in that. And, and we can even on those days where we have to grab a cliff bar and race out the door or whatever, I'm making it up, you know, whatever, mm-hmm. whatever your totally um, kind of <laughs> fast go-to food is, uh, you know, there's grace in that too. And we can perhaps, just even take a moment. Maybe it, maybe it is a, a cliff bar. Maybe you just read the ingredients and just be mindful of what, what are those ingredients? Mm-hmm. Maybe it's just that pause. Maybe it's not a, a perfect sit down and pull out the whole oats and, you know, and nuts yourself every single day. <laughs> but, but being mindful of of that invitation that is also sitting there waiting for us mm-hmm. for the days that we can be invited into a little bit of patience, the days that we can be invited into the work of creating our own food or of making our own food or cooking our own food or preparing it. Um, there, there are all these joys and invitation in, in food that we can find. I, you know, I, I sat on a Delta flight um the other day and had a salad and honestly it was a you know it was an airplane salad mm-hmm. but i just took a minute to sort of say where can I find my invitations here? Where can I get connected to the people who, who created this salad, who grew this lettuce? Where can I get cre- connected to, you know, the chicken who gave its life for this salad, for the, to the person who created this really delicious cilantro dressing that was mm. on that salad? Can I just take a moment and find God on the plate, um, sort of wherever I am, whatever, however. Um, you know, pedestrian or uh, uninspired, the dish may be even on an airplane, we can find God in our food.
1: Hmm. That's really beautifully challenging. Can you you talk about in your book, you know, you didn't grow up, we'll just say above the poverty line, or maybe hanging out there uh, with your single mom. And you shared a story of when someone essentially cut through your kind of secret and may even say you felt maybe some shame about what even lunch you would bring to school and how someone saw you and nurtured you practically even as a, a youngster.
2: Yes. Um, in, in my very first chapter, in fact, which I, I think I would, um, I've discovered by having read the book for the audiobook version. Yeah. Um, and I couldn't get through chapter one without crying. So even you know now, a couple of years after I've written it, uh, after I wrote it, um, I would so I would argue that may be perhaps my most tender personal chapter. Mm. Um, And it's the story of of discovering that I was poor in a school cafeteria and and what did that mean and and who were the people, the cast of characters that I encountered as a young child who really were the hands and feet of Jesus uh, to me. Um, And and I believe they were the hands and feet of Jesus because not only did they feed me, you know, I talk about a girl named Katie who gave me some of her corn chips, her Fritos every single day. Mm -hmm. Um, And by the way, she had no idea that she was really feeding me that I counted on her corn chips for, um, for calories. But, um, but she didn't just feed me. She shared life with me and she sat with me. And, and we see that in, in Jesus's meals. Um, it wasn't just getting food to people, although he was well known for that, Um, he sat with people and that validates them and that validated me. Um, and then the receptionist who put me on the, on the lunch program, who, um, who saw right past my, um, my shame and my little scam of getting a free lunch every day and went straight for the love and the connection and the validation. And, um, And so I believe she was also the hands and feet of Jesus.
1: Mm. So you, and you described there, like you had kind of run this little scam that's like so innocent. You just said, (laughs) I forgot my lunch. And then they'd give you free lunch. Yeah. And then they ended up inviting you to be a volunteer worker on the food staff. And that, it seemed like they became your friends and not only them, but there was a janitor too, right?
2: (sighs) George. Mm. Yeah, George, George the janitor. Yeah, um, the women in the um, in the lunch line. You know, there's something powerful about um, working in food with other people.
3: Mm-hmm. Food,
2: uh, you know, food invites us into compassion, as we see with Katie and the receptionist, and um, and even the lunch ladies and George, who um, then became my quote-unquote colleagues right at the age of nine. But. Um, <laughs> There's also food that invites us into community. And so creating meals and serving food to others, um, that created a little community. and that was perhaps my first glimpse into that. Um, and maybe that's a little part of why uh, I love I love food so much and and creating community around food. Um, and that I think that was my first little community there um, in that little job that I had at my elementary school
1: so sweet that they didn't shame you they didn't make you pay they just they saw you and invited you in yeah.
2: Yes. Food can, food has a way of saying, I see you. Mm -hmm. And, and you see that in my elementary school story. Um, but we also see it, you know, with meal trains, right? When someone's grieving and we don't know what to say, we bring them food and we let, we let our casseroles do a little bit of the talking, Mm -hmm. you know, just a little bit to say, I see you. And, and I'm here to, to share your, your grief with you. Um, just through through
1: this food. Hmm. Melissa you alluded to this earlier in your story just about I guess you're in the food world and there's like both this pressure I would imagine putting myself in your shoes to both perform well and create beautiful meals but then as women and men you know can struggle with this disordered eating so either eating too little or too much. So idolizing it really either idolizing your body image or idolizing the comfort food can bring you. How can God insert that insert into that space? Oh, you know, you're
2: bringing up another one of my slippery slopes. Mm. Um, and, And you're right. Our bodies are meant to eat whole, healthy foods and be nourished with wonderful nutrition that God created for us. And our bodies are meant to move right? We are meant to exercise. Um, here's where it becomes tricky in a slippery slope. And here's where Satan does his best work. Satan does his best work in half-truths. Mm-hmm. So Satan doesn't tend to give us a big fat lie that no one would believe. He takes this you know, this little nugget of a truth and the truth being that we should eat healthy food and that we should move our bodies. And he wraps a big fat lie around it. And then we swallow the whole thing. And the big fat lie is that uh, skinny is the goal. Skinny yeah. is better, whatever. You know, And, and the mm-hmm. truth is, skinny should not even have any uh, big um, connotation to it. it. It shouldn't be the placeholder for beauty, right? It's just, it's, you know, thin, big, small, whatever. I mean, it, it should be just a descriptive word. It's mm-hmm. just an adjective. But I think Satan loves that he has taken this nugget of truth, which is that we should eat healthy and move our bodies, and that's how we were created, and there's joy in that. And he co-ops it for his own good. And now all of us, you know, are are focused on society standards and 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 looking good and we're pursuing um, we're pursuing this, you know, this quote unquote healthy body. But it, you know, really out of worship for our creation not our creator and 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 those two things look a lot alike Mm -hmm. and i truly for me i have discovered and i read about it in the book i cannot be trusted to know the difference without my daily connection into God, um, because I can start out saying I'm moving my body because that's the way my body is meant to be. And next thing you know, I'm actually working out to look a certain way. Mm. And one is worshiping the creator. One of them is worshiping creation. So for me, that slippery slope, I, I, for me, the answer is just prayer. And so I pray before I work out every, every time I just do. And and maybe people will say, what, that's kind of nutty and crazy. Mm-hmm. It's, it's the only way I can be sure that I'm moving my body to glorify God and not moving my body to work off the calories that I ate yesterday. And, and so when we do that, when we set up this model of, you know, working off the calories that we ate yesterday, work off that, you know, Thanksgiving pumpkin pie in the gym, you know, it to me ruins two gifts. It ruins the pumpkin pie and the family and the joy and all of that. Yep. And it ruins the joy of moving our body for um, to, to celebrate the temple that God has given us. Yep. So we're ruining two things at once. And, and so my answer to that is just, it's just prayer. I just, for me, it's too slippery of a slope. I, I, I can't be trusted not to flip from one to the other. I just can't.
1: So good. Yeah.
3: Well, and I can definitely resonate with, with some of that with just the, from a consumer's perspective on, on some of those messages about food and body and everything. But I guess a curiosity question that I'd have for you as someone who, you know, has done cooking competitions, has made their living in the food industry. What, what is, I guess, what is some of that pressure and some of those kind of falsehoods that you deal with from a, from a producer standpoint of, of the value of your food or the value of you based on your food?
2: Yes, absolutely. Well, um, I'm going to answer that in, in um, kind of two ways. Um, one, as, as someone who's sort of in that space, and as somebody who has uh, written and talked about, you know, eating healthy food and, um, and being mindful about what we're putting into our bodies. Um, you know, one of the things that I see uh, over and over again, in in the, especially in the kind of the food media space, or really even the media space, is, you know, the uh, new year, new you. Yeah. I mean, that's sort of for. Okay, January, let's do all diet recipes. Um and new year new you. If you look at it, it is saying if you don't love your body, let's get you to love your body by changing your body. Mm-hmm. And and I think Jesus's love is unconditional. So if we are going to if we don't love our body, let's learn to love our bodies by learning to love our bodies as masterpieces and accepting our bodies the way they are today. And, and acceptance, by the way, doesn't mean that we don't ever think, okay, well listen, I wanna get healthier, I wanna you know, exercise and move my body to glorify God. For sure, absolutely, acceptance doesn't mean end game. But um, loving our bodies um, by learning how to see our bodies through the eyes of Jesus is different from learning to love yourself by changing your body. That's, those are two different things. One is conditional love, and one is unconditional love. Yeah. And Jesus's love is unconditional. So. I, that's something I really had to wrestle with: was um, loving my body unconditionally, loving my body just as it is today, as I'm sitting here talking to you. I was trying to a perfect example. I was like trying to get on the Peloton today, and what you know, mm-hmm. and it just it, it it didn't work out. I finally just thought, okay, well, I'm gonna shower. It is what it is. And you know what? I I, I struggle with them feeling like, oh, my body feels like a failure today, or whatever. So um, so I struggle with that. So that for me is a lot of prayer. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the other. Piece as sort of on the food-only side, as a producer of food and um, the performance component that you mentioned, uh, we have gotten into a space where hospitality is performance, and that's what it's come to mean. You know, impress your friends, mm. look for the really cool recipe on Pinterest or whatever. And listen, there's beautiful art to be had in, in spending a lot of time on food, and I love it. But If we only have people in our homes when we can impress them, and by the way, even the language of impressing is a language of division, right? Mm -hmm. It says, I want my friends to think I am probably better at cooking than they are, or that I am somehow on a small pedestal above them. And so the language of impressing is a language of separation. And God is a God of Unification and of drawing close and of being together, hospitality as service and welcoming of the stranger—that's the model we see in the Bible. Mm. So, um, so this idea of performance versus service is um, is one that became really apparent to me as I um, as I marinated in um, the ideas in Taste and Grace.
1: So good, Melissa. I'm feeling all sorts of convicted. Um, if you had just a final word for someone who's listening like myself and is like, Oh man, I just basically shovel whatever food in my mouth and just live my life. And maybe even as they're talking or listening to this, they're looking at the cliff bar in their hand. What would be one next step that we can take as listeners? um, As far as how to be more mindful and just aware of God in this food world. Yeah. Well, I would, I would, Bring up a, a
2: thread again that I mentioned earlier, but I think it's really important and that is that these are not admonitions. This is not, uh oh, you're doing it wrong. You have, you know, a granola granola bar in your hands. Yeah. That's not what it is. It's It's invitations from God Mm -hmm. and, and they are invitations where we get closer to him, where we get closer to each other, where we are living our best lives. So this is an invitation into good stuff and into some richness and closeness and wonderfulness. So it is not a, um, a threat or a punishment for doing it wrong. Um, and I would say there's grace in all of it. You know, God knows we're busy. God, God has a lot of um, empathy for, for what we, what we go through, um, in life. Um, what I would say is for, you know, especially, you know, moms of little kids, I've been there. I had foreign diapers for a a while. Like it's, it's tricky business. Um, you know what, maybe, maybe it doesn't have to be, you know, the, the perfect, the perfect uh, scenario. You know, if you're having a cliff bar, maybe then even just sit for sixty seconds, mm-hmm. and just sit and taste that Cliff Bar just for a moment. Maybe it doesn't have to be the you know the invitation into work into creating your own granola bar today whatever. Maybe it's just the invitation into patience. that, you know what, for 60 seconds, I'm just going to sit and appreciate that there is somebody out there who went and got these ingredients. Maybe you're in a posture of receiving the gift of someone else getting those ingredients for you. You know, that's okay too. We, we can also just be receiving today and mm-hmm. that's okay. So, so there's, there's, there's a way for us to bring in some of these. These invitations, if not every single one of them, every bite we take, but every bite we take has some sort of invitation mm-hmm. into God. And if that's a cliff bar, or if that's going to the farmer's market and making, you know, food from scratch, both of those can be holy, wonderful experiences mm-hmm. that draw us closer to
1: God. So good. Thank you so much for this exhortation and challenge and just lathered in grace and, um, We just, in what you've alluded to in your food production industry, I just hear this lady's a missionary. You, my dear friend, are a missionary in this mission field. And um, I'm going to be praying for you as you sprinkle the life of Jesus where you are. So thank you for what you do.
2: Thank you so very much. I so appreciate
1: you. Thank you. Thank you. Yes, you're welcome. Blessings. Hey, guys, if you want to read Melissa's amazing book, the Tasting Grace book, and, and check out her other, I mean, just turn on Food Network and you are going to see her on the TV or open up the Food Network magazine, which we also get and see her there. Um, but you can check out all her stuff. I'll link it on the podcast episode page so you can follow her and get that book, Tasting Grace. And guys, we so appreciate when you give us reviews on the old iTunes. If you listen to us there and just, you can say something or just pop us a five stars. We appreciate that, but it helps other people to find us. Um, and even for potential guests to be able to see, oh, hey, these guys are legit. If you see us as legit, that means a lot. But we really do read all of those and all of your emails and encouragements. I There's times I just sit there and I'm like, oh, Jesus, you are amazing. And thank you so much for this gift of a podcast. I think it's all of the three of us. One of our favorite times of the week mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and we love hearing especially those audio clips so thanks so much for sending those in as well so speaking of audio clips question of the week for next week what is your favorite word we're gonna rock it out so please tell us word word up <laughs> You can find us at podcast at com. You can email it in. You can find me on Facebook, Lori Krieg, uh, either Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. I'm the most active, I feel like, Facebook, Instagram, so find me there, and that's where you'll mostly find me. I'm going to stop saying find or me. Or send audio or send, just straight up send the audio yeah. clip to podcast com. All right, guys, thanks so much for being a part of this. I'm challenged. I'm going to go try and eat lunch and think about what I'm eating. So for all of us here at the Hole in My Heart podcast, we will see you next week. Juju told me last night she wanted to start dating. What? She said, I'm three. I can date. I can do the dating. That's what she said. Because I was telling Gwen she had to wait until she was 16. But I'm three. I can do the dating.
0: Like, um, no. Well, I can relate to Marsha about the stroller. That's all I've got. <laughs> that you want <laughs> to push the baby in the stroller. Our grandkids were over this weekend. There you go. And um, this is funny. So they're gonna spend they're gonna leave them for the night. We're gonna have them for the night, wow. take them to church Sunday. Good grandparents. Well, thanks. Uh last time though, they forgot to bring the stroller. So nope. this time we were like, stroller,
1: stroller. right?
0: You got the stroller? Yeah. Do we have the stroller? Yes. Because yeah. they're very close in age. So double stroller, the whole deal. Yeah. So then, yep. Okay, awesome. See ya. Have a great time. Bye. And then um at some point I realized, all right, we need the car seat. I was gonna take one of them someplace. Where are the car seats? Do we have the car? no No, car seats no car seats so it's like every time i'm like we're we need to develop a checklist yep Yep. or you got to be the
1: grandparents who got all the crap
3: well you just buy your own yard sale it yeah Yeah. that (laughs) ain't five dollars we're nice
1: we ain't that nice (laughs) Exactly. we
3: have a car seat that we would happily get rid of do you I think so.
1: No, I definitely picked up Gwen yesterday and the lady is putting her in the car and I go, I'll take it from here. And then she sees, oh, shoot, I had no car seat in the car for my four year old. And I said, "Ha ha," face turned bright red. I'm like, I forgot the car seat. Please don't call the police. Bye. And put her in.
3: Uh, well, we have that one in the garage. Why didn't you just put that one in there? Put you, Janet.
1: I don't know. It was too many
0: steps. I remember my dad was amazed when our kids were little
3: about car seats. That there
0: were car seats, and also that that we would put them in them every time. And I'm not talking about four year olds. I'm talking about like when they were infants. What he was like? Wow, he stays in the car seat really well. I was like, he doesn't. It's all he's ever known. It's (laughs) the law.
3: You just balance them on your knees. Right. (laughs) i used to hold you out the window right yes
1: for all of us here at the hole in my heart podcast we will see you not taste you see <laughs> see you next week i shouldn't do that <laughs>
3: <That's
1: stupid. laughs> okay let me just do it again
3: are we juju now i was just gonna I'm say her gonna lick That's daughter
1: i know she just licks i asked her the other day i'm like why are you licking me because i love you so much i'm like it's <laughs> like bite back five sentences. I'm like, there's other ways to do that. Can you to not love that. me that much? <laughs> okay.